Hello, welcome to Texas True Crime. I'm your host, Jessica. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Before we get started on the case we're gonna talk about, let's just talk about some current events in true crime in the news. Carly Russell, she faked everything. Were y'all surprised? Did you suspect her all along? Another question, have you seen her mugshot? It does not look like a mugshot. It looks like a class yearbook photo. I've never seen anyone look so put together. Her hair is fixed. She has a smile on her face. She, she looks relaxed. So now that we know it was all a hoax, what do you think should happen to her? She's admitted that it was a fake. She's been arrested. What should her consequences be? Let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Today, we are going to be talking about the murder of multimillionaire Charlie White. His son claimed it was a murder of passion, that he was caught up in the moment. But friends and family said he murdered his father out of greed. So, same thing, just like Carly Russell. After today's episode and you've listened to everything, tell me, what do you think? And please remember to go leave a five-star review, subscribe to the podcast, and tell a friend. If you like what you hear, tell a friend about Texas True Crime. Word of mouth helps grow the podcast more than anything else. So let's get started. Horseshoe Bay is a beautiful upscale town about 40 miles north of Austin. It's small. It only has about 4,000 residents that live there. There's not a lot of crime. It's a place where people move to once they want to retire. And Charlie White was one of those residents that have retired to live the good life in Horseshoe Bay. He was rich, he was handsome, and he was charismatic. A lot of people in Horseshoe Bay loved Charlie. They said he had a big heart and he was very generous. He lent his hairdresser his private plane to fly to a family funeral. He paid for cancer treatments for a former employee. But as many people that loved Charlie, there were also a lot of people that hated Charlie. Some even feared him. And as generous as Charlie White could be, he also had a dark side. In November, after Charlie missed two golf dates on a Saturday and Sunday, and then failed to show up to meet his personal pilot on Monday morning, November 14th, 2005, his friends became worried. This was not like Charlie at all, so they called the police and reported him missing. When police first entered Charlie White's home, things looked fine. Nothing was out of order. It all looked normal. But the odor of decomposition soon hit them and led them to the living room where they were shocked to find a gruesome crime scene. It was obvious that whoever murdered the millionaire hated him. Charlie White was found in his living room. He had been brutally beaten. In fact, he had been hit so hard in the head and the jaw that some of his teeth had been knocked out of his mouth and flew across the room. Now, I'm just going to share a little something with you guys. When I was in second grade, my brother knocked my two front teeth out. And it was my fault. I had agitated him until he was fed up with me. And he said, I'm going to knock your teeth out. And he followed through on it. Now, that being said, my teeth didn't go anywhere. He did knock them out, but they stayed in my mouth. So when I read that Charlie's teeth 
have flown across the room. Y'all, that's brutal. Whoever hit him hated his guts. Or if nothing else, they were furious. That's a lot. Charlie also had broken ribs and an extension cord had been wrapped around his neck seven times. To finish things off, the killer had opened Charlie White's briefcase and dumped the entire contents onto his chest. Now, investigators thought that it looked like a large liquor bottle was what had been used to bludgeon Charlie. The local police weren't used to handling murder cases like this because, like I said, there wasn't a lot of crime in Horseshoe Bay. So instead of trying to handle it themselves, they called the Texas Rangers in to ask for help. Now, the Rangers started looking into Charlie's lifestyle. And his friends said that Charlie liked three main things. Women, money, and sports. Charlie didn't keep it a secret that he slept with multiple women during the week. Some were women that he met while he was out and about. Because Charlie was. He was very social. He had a large circle of friends. He went out to dinner every night. He liked to have drinks at the bar. He golfed. He flew all over the place. The man was living the good life. But just as many of those women were also high-end sex workers that were paid to party. And Charlie's friends said he never hid his lifestyle from any of them. He would tell them straight up, no, I, I paid to spend time with this lady. The medical examiner's office determined that Charlie's cause of death was blunt force trauma and strangulation, but they also discovered something else that helped investigators a lot. Charlie White had a defibrillator placed in his chest. The defibrillator monitored Charlie's heart, and whenever his heart got out of rhythm, it sent a shock to his heart to regulate its heartbeat again. Now, luckily for investigators, all of this was monitored through his physician, and he received reports from the defibrillator. So investigators discovered, after talking to Charlie's physician, that on the night Charlie was murdered, his defibrillator shocked his heart a total of eight times during the attack. It also recorded the exact time that Charlie White died. He died at 9.38 p.m. on November 11th, 2005. Now, can you imagine how helpful that was to investigators to know the exact time of death? I mean, that's always has to be, you know, based on best practices, best guess, basically, on the way the body was found and what the medical examiner can determine. So this was a key piece of evidence for them. At first, police and Texas Rangers thought because of Charlie's lifestyle, maybe it was a transaction between him and a woman that had gone bad. But the more they dug around in the house, they found a receipt in Charlie's wallet for the local Walmart dated November 11th, just two hours before Charlie was murdered. So, of course, they immediately went over to Walmart and asked to see the surveillance footage for that night. And what they saw on the footage immediately gave them their number one suspect. Charlie and his youngest son, Darren, were seen getting out of the car in the parking lot. So, that was when they knew they had to find his son and find out what he knew about the evening. And from everything they were hearing from Charlie's friends, he should be their number one suspect. But Darren had left the state 
and gone to his mother's home in Riodoso, New Mexico. Darren was the youngest child of Charlie and Gerda White's children. He grew up with his mother in Roswell, New Mexico, where he was all state in track and football at Roswell High School. He attended the University of North Texas and Blinn Junior College, but dropped out at the end of his second year. Now, before we go on with anything else, you're going to see that this kind of behavior from Darren really pretty much follows him throughout his life. He doesn't really stick to much. He just kind of floats through life doing what suits Darren. And that becomes a major point of friction between him and his father. Darren spent his time living between his father, his father's home in Texas, and his mother's home in New Mexico. Gerda and Charlie met when she was just 16 years old at his military school prom. He was tall and handsome and very charming. Gerda said that she wanted to go to college, but she guessed she wanted to marry Charlie more because after that night, she went home and told her parents that she had met the man that she was going to marry. The couple did get married and they had five children, but as Charlie's success grew with his business, the more his marriage unraveled and Charlie and Gerda divorced in 1975. Darren said he doesn't have many happy memories from when his parents were married. It was definitely an improvement after their divorce. Now, Gerda said that as charming as Charlie could be, living with him could also be hell. She said she didn't know how you could claim to love someone and then call them all the terrible names that Charlie called her while they were married. She also said that Charlie almost seemed to take pleasure in when the kids were in trouble, taking them in the back bedroom and spanking them with his belt. She said he never acted like that bothered him one bit. And I know people are going to say it's two different thoughts. Some people think you should never speak, spank your children. Other people think sometimes it's warranted. I do think you should never take pleasure in it. That's never a good sign. So uh, right before the couple divorced, though, their daughter, Michelle, was hit by a car when she was 10. And she suffered many complications from this accident throughout her life and then passed away when she was 24 from these complications of the accident. They also had a son named Lance who committed suicide in 2001. So the White family had a lot of tragic moments in their life. It's not, it's not like they just were these rich people that lived a charm li- charmed life and then got divorced. Their life was definitely had very tragic moments in it. Another son, Ronnie White, had become estranged from the family. He lived somewhere in the desert of Palm Springs, California, but no one had seen him for years. So I would definitely say that they were a troubled family. Charlie White grew up in Wichita Falls, Texas. His parents owned White's Auto Stores, a prominent statewide chain. Charlie went to work for his family business and started at the bottom and has worked his way up to director of advertising. So Charlie was not afraid to work hard. In fact, he was very ambitious. He left the family business in the 1970s to go strike out on his own and created the beauty school chain Aladdin Beauty Colleges with a business partner. It was a huge success. 
Wyatt and his partner had 31 campuses in Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. Those chains employed 400 people and they had 2,000 students enrolled annually. Now this Aladdin Beauty Schools or Beauty College made Charlie White a multimillionaire and he enjoyed the fruits of his labor. Remember, like I said, Charlie wasn't afraid of hard work and it paid off for him. In 2000, Charlie sold his shares so he could relax and live the good life. He used his private plane to fly to Dallas to attend Dallas Cowboys and Mavericks games. His son, Darren, also enjoyed his father's lifestyle and frequently accompanied him to these games. Charlie liked to go to nice restaurants and Darren liked to go with him too. But as hard of a worker as Charlie White had been to achieve such success in his life, Darren White was content just to live off the fruits of his father's labor. The two men had a lot of the same interests, but their personalities were polar opposites. Darren floated from job to job. The main thing Darren liked to do was live in Charlie's condo in Vail, Colorado during the ski season and teach skiing lessons to people. Other than that, he didn't have a very regular job. And even teaching ski lessons is very seasonal. Charlie often told his friends that he was unhappy with the fact that Darren couldn't hold on a job. The ambitious businessman didn't understand how his son, his 38-year-old son, was okay with living off his parents. He said that Darren, Darren was frivolous with his money. And you know, I can understand this. Here's Charlie, someone who's worked hard all of his life. He became very successful all and yes, he did go to work for his family business, but they didn't make him an executive right away. He had to start at the bottom. And for his son then, who's 38, it's not like he's fresh out of college trying to find himself. He's a grown man by now. So I could see where Charlie was like, hey, you need to get it together, dude. I feel like I would feel the same way if he were my kid. Friends said that Charlie finally put his foot down and told Darren no that he was not gonna support him anymore and he was gonna have to figure it out on his own. The Texas Rangers contacted Darren in New Mexico and he agreed to come back to Texas to talk with them. After about an hour of questioning with the Rangers, Darren admitted that he was with his father at Walmart the that night and that after they got home, Darren and his father got into an argument. Now, Darren said that his father became very angry with him when he made a pizza for them and said he did not want to eat it and threw the pizza at him. He said this caused an argument and that Charlie became very angry with Darren and he began to throw anything he could get his hands on at him. And Darren said he felt like he had to defend himself against his father. Darren also said that his father was hitting him and trying to bulldoze past him to get to the playroom where he kept his guns. Darren said at this point they were exchanging blows with each other and he wanted to make sure that his father was not able to get to the guns. He was worried that he said he was truly worried that if his father made it into the playroom to get a gun, he would kill him. Investigators asked Darren if he used anything to hit his father with. And Darren openly admitted he said that there was a liquor bottle with about an inch of liquor left in it. He gave his father one last drink. And then as he was giving him his drink, used that bottle to knock his teeth out. So, I mean, I don't know, crime of passion. It sounds like he was enjoying this 
brutal beating of his father. And remember, like I said, he didn't just hit him in the face with that bottle. He hit him so hard that his teeth flew across the room. They lived in a mansion. It wasn't like it was some teeny little room. I'm sure it was a quite spacious, large living room. It, still, it that just, oh my goodness, of all the things. And Charlie White was alive, y'all, when this was going on. So he experienced all of this. He was not unconscious. Next, Darren decided that he would go to the garage and get an extension cord. And he tied it around his father's legs. But at some point during that time, he decided the extension cord would look better wrapped around Charlie White's neck. Darren said his father was bleeding and he kept looking up at him while Darren wrapped the cord around his neck and that Charlie kept reaching up and trying to grab his arm as he did it. Darren White said he looked into his father's face while he strangled him. And he told, he told investigators that Charlie White's last words were, son, I do love you. I'm sorry, but to be a crime of passion and you stopped the brutal beating that you were giving your father with a liquor bottle, walked out to the garage. So you've had a moment to cool off right there. You've walked in the garage, but instead you decide to get an extension cord, you wrap it around his leg, but then you go, no, I think it will be better around his throat. The man is bleeding, looking you in the face, still alive and able to speak to you and say, son, I love you. And you finish, you decide to finish strangling the man and watch him die. I don't think that's a crime of passion anymore. I think you're just mad. Darren then calmly walked upstairs to his father's bedroom and went to sleep in Charlie's bed. The next morning, he got up, he got the paper, and went back to his father's bedroom and read the newspaper in bed. After that, he left the house and drove to his mother's home in New Mexico while his father's dead body was lying on the sofa in the living room. Darren said that when he got to his mother's house, he immediately hugged her and told her what he had done. But neither Gerda or Darren let the police know what had happened. They both let Charlie White's body lie there in his house for three days before friends became concerned and reported Charlie White missing to the police. So again, it was a crime of passion, but you left your father lying there just in the living room, beaten and bloody and strangled. Neither one of you thought maybe you should let the authorities know. You don't sound very remorseful. Even the mom. I mean, that's pretty cold. I know he's your son, but good Lord. Darren told investigators that once he realized his father was gone, he felt an immense sense of relief. Like I said, no remorse. In fact, Darren said he had never felt better in his whole life. Now, Texas Ranger Joey Gordon didn't believe one bit of Darren White's story at all. When they walked into that house, there was nothing thrown around the room. There was no pizza laying around. Everything was neat and tidy, except for where Charlie White's body was found on the sofa. And none of the other rooms were disturbed in the house. They photographed Darren and had, had him take his shirt off. Darren had no wounds at all on his body, except for one tiny scratch. 
it didn't look like 73 year old Charlie White put up any kind of fight against his son at all. Investigators then started to question people who knew Darren and Charlie. A longtime friend of Darren said that Darren told him that Charlie was going to cut him out of his will. And Rangers believe that Darren got mad at his father and knew that his days of living the life of luxury were about to be over and he was mad about it. And once he started in on his father, he couldn't stop. Now, many people, including Darren's girlfriend, said that Charlie was abusive. He hit on her and Darren told her that Charlie also seemed to take joy in sleeping with his ex-girlfriends. Another former friend of Charlie's said that their friendship ended after Charlie got drunk and got mad at him and pulled a gun on him. He said that there were several people at the house actually when that fight occurred and that Charlie held a shotgun on all of them until Darren defused the whole situation and took the gun away from Charlie. This family friend claimed Charlie was an alcoholic and then when he was drunk, he was mean and violent and unpredictable. Darcy, Darren's current girlfriend, said that Charlie loved to humiliate Darren, that he would slap him on the head and call him a piece of crap. 38-year-old Darren said that the more he relied on his father financially, the more Charlie treated him like a servant instead of a son. He said one of his jobs was for Darren to find girls for him. But I also kind of questioned this because all of Charlie's friends said, yeah, he met women all the time, but he also didn't mind to pay for women's company. So if he was okay on paying for high-end sex workers, I don't think he really needed Darren to look for women. But that's the story Darren told. Seven days after Charlie White's body was found, police arrested Darren for the murder of his father. Darren pled guilty and then was released on $200,000 bail. Now, since Darren pled guilty, there was no trial for the actual murder. but Darren decided that he would have better odds with a jury trial for his sentencing than letting a judge decide his fate. Now, Darren claimed, like I said, that the murder was a crime of passion. He acted without thinking and that the murder was a result of years of abuse from his father and that one night he just erupted and he couldn't help himself. Now, I'm not going to say that Darren's lying about the abuse. There are plenty of people that said that Charlie White could be an asshole for really lack of a better word. I mean, he kept a little black book with over a thousand names of women and he put notes next to him talking about the things he liked about him and the things he didn't. He also told Darren's girlfriend, Darcy's father, the first night he met him, see those girls over there in the hot tub. If you want one of them, they're yours. I'll make it happen. I mean, I'm not saying he was all wine and roses, but I also don't think you should brutally murder your father. Darren admitted during the jury trial that he hit his father 1,000 times with that liquor bottle that night. I don't even know how there was anything left of Charlie White, but prosecutors argued that Darren White knew exactly what he was doing, that when he stopped beating his father with a liquor bottle and walked to the garage to get an extension cord, he could have stopped at any time. But Instead, he made that decision to get that extension cord and kill his father by strangling him. They said it showed premeditation. The defense painted a picture of Charlie as abusive, and Darren testified that his father molested his sister 
and did nothing when Lance White called to ask for help before he committed suicide. Now, Darren's oldest brother, Charlie White Jr., testified, saying that all of those claims were completely false. He said his father never molested their sister and that Lance never called his father at all before he committed suicide. He said that Lance was suffering from addiction problems and was in a very bad place when he shot himself. He also said that Charlie was being put on trial for his behavior and that was completely unfair. His father had been murdered in cold blood and wasn't even there to defend himself. Charlie Jr. went on to say that Darren himself had an explosive temper and that he was often concerned for his father's well-being because of his heart problems. He said there was no way Charlie Sr. could have defended himself from his son. He said Charlie would just get winded from walking across the room. He also said that Darren and their father had a tense relationship and that he felt like oftentimes Darren liked to bait their father so that it would cause an argument. Darren took the stand in his own defense. His attorneys asked him, you're a grown man. If your father was so horrible to you, why didn't you just walk away? Why didn't you leave him alone? Which was a question that a lot of people had for Darren. I mean, he was 38. Go out on your own, bud. Why do you need your daddy to support you? But Darren equated himself to an abused spouse. He said he kept going back, thinking each time it would be different. He just wanted his dad to love him. Now, the defense tried to locate Darren's older brother, Ronnie White. Remember the one that was estranged from the family? But they were unable to find him. They had hoped that since Ronnie White left the family, he'd also be able to corroborate Darren's story and say how terrible Charlie was and how abusive he was and back up Darren's story. But they couldn't locate him. And no one had been in contact with him for years. So during the trial, Darren also testified that killing his father was a complete accident. And that he didn't want to talk about it anymore. He wasn't going to reenact anything from the crime. And then he was planning on moving on with his life. The jury then deliberated for nine hours before they decided that Darren White did not murder his father in a crime of passion. They said it was indeed first-degree murder. But they only sentenced him to 20 years in prison and said he could be eligible for parole in 10 years. Now, Charlie's friends and the prosecutors were very disappointed with this outcome. They'd wanted a longer sentence for Darren. In fact, one of Charlie's friends said, it's not right. He brutally murdered my friend and now he just gets 20 years it and could actually be out in 10. It's not fair. During the reading of the verdict, Darren's girlfriend, Darcy Dickey, wept loudly throughout the whole proceedings. Afterwards, officials allowed Darren White to embrace Darcy one more time. And in a dramatic flare, Darren slipped an engagement ring on her finger right there in court. And then the bailiffs led him away. I don't know. I kind of think he was just enjoying the attention. What do you think? Now, six months after Darren was incarcerated, they were married. And from all reports, they're still married to this day. Darren was eligible per, for parole in 2018, but he remains incarcerated at the Neal prison in Reynolds County. Even from prison, when he was interviewed 
after the crime, after being in prison, Darren still says that he's never been more at peace with himself than he is now. So he does, I mean, I'm sorry, but he doesn't show any remorse or sadness for killing his father. What do you guys think? Do you think that it was a crime of passion and that Darren couldn't take it anymore? Or do you think he was a spoiled rich kid who got mad when his gravy train was about to end? Tell me what you think. You can find me on Instagram at Texas True Crime Pod, or you can get in touch with me on Facebook at Texas True Crime. And you can always email me at Texas True Crime Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening this week, and I'll see you next time. Bye.